we speak, you got House members there in Washington, D.C., standing in the very room that was full of uh, people in horns and wearing pelts a week ago. <laughs> I don't think that was really the key fact, but go on. Where's the lie in what I just said? Well, again, I I don't think it's inaccurate, just, you know, irrelevant. But they are going to uh, impeach President Trump again. The the votes exist, all the Democrats and more and more Republicans signing on. How many it will end up being at the end of the day? Be very interesting to see. I guarantee you there are a number of Republicans that are on the phone with various strategists and, uh, you know, donors right now trying to figure out how they're going to vote. And wishing they had time for a poll, quickie poll of their district. Liz Cheney came out, Republican, daughter of Dick Cheney, uh, big deal in the House of Representatives among Republicans, came out yesterday. Mm. We'll have to read what she said. It was pretty strong. Uh, she said what Trump did was the worst thing any president's ever done, and uh, she's absolutely voting to impeach. So I don't know if that gives cover to a number of House Republicans that would have not otherwise voted yes, but we'll see later. It does in a way, but there are absolutely factions within the Republican Party. And she represents the old school, mainstream, uh, big business Republican Party that ignored the working people of America for so long, uh, they turned to Donald Trump. But I believe she was a no-vote last impeachment. Yeah, that's true. And and it will provide some cover, but I think there are plenty of uh, folks who just look at her as a swamp creature. So, you know, she won't change those minds. You know, we were talking last hour about how all the heated rhetoric, the dehumanizing of uh, the people who disagree with you, the rest of it, could easily lead to a Northern Ireland uh, or Rwanda-style spasm of violence. We're doing everything they did. Oh, and actually, the uh, the Balkans, another example, with the Serbs and the Croats and the Muslims and the rest of it, uh, all that ethnic cleansing, similar stuff going on. And we like to think we're unique in America because our we've been, uh, you know, the world's oldest democracy. We've got this incredible constitution. We've always been unified to a large extent. Uh, we like to think it can't happen to us. I think it can. And here's a great example of it. Everybody's uh, yelling about the, 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 the jackasses who stormed the Capitol. California Democratic Party is facing backlash, and we're looking for this tape, which is inexplicably difficult to find, but it, it happened. Um, after uh, they referred to people campaigning to recall Governor Gavin Mussolini as a coup. This recall, this is uh, Rusty Hicks, who's a union goon. He's an activist, chairman of the California Democratic Party. He said, and I quote, This recall effort, which really ought to be called the California coup, is being led by right-wing conspiracy theorists, white nationalists, anti-vaxxers, and groups who encourage violence on our domestic institutions. Today we're here to say enough is enough. He said, uh, where's the direct quote, um, that the uh, that the people... That's a white nationalist that want Gavin Newsom out because he ate at the French laundry? <laughs> right, there's exactly. There's reason to want him out. Exactly. And he said that um, the people who stormed the Capitol, some of the individuals and groups who are encouraged by California Republican leaders and who attacked the People's House are also engaged in a recall effort against Governor Governor Gavin Newsom right here in California. So those who stormed the House and killed the policemen and led to all that violence—that's who's leading the coup, or that's who's leading the coup or the recall effort. Now, if you convince people of that, Rusty, you utter prostitute for the union's interests. What do you think that justifies? I mean, to the Capitol Police, it justified macing people and shooting people. 
it justified violence. So if you're saying anybody who's pro-recall uh, is those people, then you've just justified violence against them. And their little uh, tables where they're collecting signatures, for instance, or if they're going door-to-door or what have you. So this, that, that, I assume that statement is since last Wednesday. What you just read. He, yeah, he, yes. Yeah, he said the people doing the recall are the people who stormed the Capitol. Oh, okay. That, obviously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. You wouldn't reference that prior to it. it um, it's highly unlikely. Um, so uh, there's a pretty good example of someone not interested in lowering the uh, the temperature. Right. And it's just it, part of it, and I've left this out so far, is nothing breaks through but hyperbole. Well, my concern is, and I agree, I think there's serious danger of this all actually coming apart and too many people and ted cruz would be you know part of the crowd who thinks you know we're so solid we can we can throw around you know anything and we'll still be all right these are all just political maneuverings is just positioning yourself right nothing's going to come out of this you can tribal signaling you can you can you can act like an election was actually stolen and then nothing bad will happen and i think they're taking way too much for granted which is which is interesting when you're a conservative, especially because that's the whole conservative thing that um, uh, stability is is a, you got a tenuous, very weak grasp on that, and it can fall apart at any point. And that's why you want to conserve things. But um, my concern is that human nature is. So we've been talking a lot about tribalism over the last several years, and how we have a tendency to get into tribes, and that's the way we protect ourselves. That tribalism only gets ramped up as the as the danger gets greater, and it becomes more. You, you get more and more of a mindset of I've got to pick a side. My life is at stake. My kids' lives are at stake. I got to pick a side. This right. is my side, and you don't. You, you know, all the details go out the window. You just have to right. pick a side because everything is at stake. Yeah, it is kind of self perpetuating that way. You're right. So one of the questions that uh, we had and a number of people had uh, after the storming of the Capitol was, who was zip-tie guy, all-black zip-tie guy, and what was he going to do with those zip-ties? Well, uh, he's been identified as one Eric Munchel. I believe he's a a retired lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. But there are security uh, pictures of him before, during, and after the siege uh, in which he's stopping at a local Starbucks to grab a coffee with his mom. And there he is, again, with his mom, going up the Capitol steps. And they're clearly identifiable. Nice when you can uh, do stuff with your mom. That is kind of nice. Anyway, uh, apparently uh, he's more fond of his wife than his, uh, his mom, rather, than his ex-wife, who reported him to the feds. Uh, the retired Air Force lieutenant colonel can thank his ex-wife for his arrest. Uh, well, now this is a different name. Now they're calling him Brock. Um. He was the guy photographed holding zip ties inside the Senate chamber. It was pretty easy to ID, decked out in body armor, military helmet, and a tag with a Punisher skull. But his former spouse provided further intel to law enforcement. His wife of 18 years called the FBI on Friday. I don't know why we know that. Um, but she recognized him from his getup, and he was arrested shortly afterward. 
and is facing one count of knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building, et cetera, et cetera, very long. One count of violent entry and other stuff that often these uh, initial charges are just a pretext to hold somebody till you get to what you really want to charge. Well, we still with. don't know. If Larry Rendell Brock. So I would like to apologize to Mr. Munchell, whoever you are. Well, there were two people with zip ties. There, there, oh, was, okay. there was one that was all in black, and then this, I believe the second one had his face exposed. This is the guy I think that uh, the ex-wife was well, involved with. A lot oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. A lot of people were assuming the zip ties are for abducting people or holding them for whatever whatever you're going to do, hostages or I don't know what. Do we have any idea what they're going to do with the zip ties? Nope, not yet. The FBI might. I mean, they've got these guys yeah. in cells, and they're talking to them they'll, with they'll, lawyers. They'll find out, I yeah. would guess. Um, is there a chance that everybody vastly underestimated the size of the QAnon crowd? I feel like this has got uh, yes. a lot more to do with it than, 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 you know, the media kind of built up QAnon for a long time. New York Times, uh, you know, MSNBC talking about, I'm not sure even, even after it, QAnon's getting enough of the credit for the whole thing. I think, and I don't think QAnon has anything, unless I'm wrong. I've read a fair amount of QAnon. I'm not coming across the, the, the white supremacy part of QAnon. It's a different thing. Yeah, there are a bunch of overlapping websites and groups. And I was talking to a gent uh, yesterday who said the whole uh, Chan world, uh, 4chan, 8chan, the rest of it, people aren't mentioning that enough because a lot of the stuff goes on there. And actually, uh, you know, I talked to uh, somebody I know very, very well, and I'll leave it there, who said uh, when he was younger, he used to click around in those boards to uh, to find out what was going on, mm-hmm. and um, and he realized that he was being recruited on a pretty regular basis. Oh, sure. And he said he became aware of how they use jokes. They make jokes about ovens or whatever to see how you react. And if you react not at all or or, or badly, they think, okay, not so fertile ground. Well, it's like trying to figure out if a guy smokes pot or is a swinger or whatever. I mean, it's right, the same, exactly. same sort of thing, right? Yes to both, just speaking for myself. But um, <laughs> didn't they just break? I, a, I kid. Didn't they just bust a one hundred person swinger club thing in L.A. or something? Uh, yeah, we're, I'm betting the. I think it was a couple hundred people, but yeah, yeah. L.A. Oh, that's gross. Um, yeah. That's so gross. Well, now it wasn't a couple hundred people orgy. It was just a, a swingers thing. Where I don't know, maybe they play some sort of hotel room key game or. The Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. The party is over. People were at this location. We responded and detained probably close to 200 people. LA County Sheriff's Department was out tonight to enforce a public health order, and we will continue to do so. The party is over. You need to come downstairs. We got hands up. Is there a reason you have to talk to swingers in a sing-song voice? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's an experienced law enforcement officer. He's realized that. You must come down with your hands up. Doesn't work with swingers. You must come down with your hands up. The, the party's over. The party's over. <laughs> Put on your underwear. You will be arrested. I almost said something terrible. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> what was it? It's amazing. <laughs> Say it. Say it's it. amazing when the restraint part of your brain kicks in milliseconds before something comes out of your mouth. Isn't that? Oh, yeah. That needs yeah. to be studied more. Yeah, for the first 30 years of my life or so, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm kind of glad it did. Hey, here's the opening line from a brilliant piece by the brilliant uh, Dr. Thomas Sowell. It's amazing how many people have seem to have discovered last Wednesday that riots are wrong. 
And he makes a point that's been made by others, but he makes it better, and he goes on to say some other stuff that I think is really great. I want to share that with you this hour. Stop swapping fluids with randos. <laughs> that's disgusting, man. You're going to get chlamydia. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, in his opening remarks, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee said that Republicans last week voted to overturn the results of an election. Guess who the first objector was on January 6, 2017? First objector, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee. And guess which state he objected to? Alabama. The very first state called, Alabama. President Trump, I think, won Alabama by like 80 points. Actually, he won it by, but he won it by 30 points. They can object, they can object to Alabama in 2017, but tell us we can't object to Pennsylvania in 2021? Pennsylvania, where the state Supreme Court just unilaterally extended the election to Friday? Pennsylvania, where the Secretary of State unilaterally changed the rules? Okay, so you understand the oh, point finally. he's making, and th- and this hasn't been getting enough attention. And this is not this does not excuse for anybody who's smart enough to understand these things. This does not excuse storming the Capitol, beating people to death, etc., etc., etc. But we've gotten this way little by little by little of these ridiculous performative political uh, well performances. Barbara Boxer, who's in the news for being a Chinese something or other. Um, Barbara Boxer, Is there any big-time California politician who's not in bed with the Chinese? Boxer? Feinstein? Swalwell? What the hell? Anyway, you were saying? Former Senator Boxer of California who uh, stepped down and Kamala Harris ended up being senator. Uh, Barbara Boxer, she objected as a U.S. senator to confirming the Electoral College results in Ohio um, back when Bush won. Wow. I mean, we've been growing it that way for a long time. These, you know, you did, you knew you weren't going to win. You knew you didn't have the facts on your side, but you're trying to signal everybody to everybody that you're fighting real hard and you hate this person. And it right. just grows little by little by little. Don't do things that are performative acts. Let's stop. Let's just stop with that. Yeah, I, I wish. I wish the voice of reason could overcome the howling mob, but as long as they get results from that sort of thing, it's it's going to be tough to stop it. So the uh, Republican objections, completely unprecedented, except for the precedents recently that were Democrats. I mean, just, God, the hypocrisy. And then and then the, the secret sauce that makes the dissolution of the union possible is the media being complicit, the media refusing to tell the truth. And actually, I want to get to Thomas Sowell, who's, who's talking about that in brilliant fashion um, in next segment, because we want to leave plenty of time for it. But, you know, I'm looking at this this story about the chairman of the California Democratic Party saying that the recall effort is being led by right-wing conspiracy theorists, white nationalists, anti-vaxxers, and groups who encourage violence under democratic institutions, when it's a bunch of law-abiding folks who think Gavin Newsom is a putz and a hypocrite. But he was followed by a number of elected Democrats who reiterated the argument. There's a Fresno City Council member who cares, who called the effort treasonous. Former Assembly member, current San Diego mayor, Todd Gloria. I'm looking at you, Todd, my boy. 
He said he appreciated, quote, the opportunity to draw a straight line from the horrible events of last week in Washington, D.C., to the current events here in California. But then asked by a reporter for evidence that the Proud Boys or any extremist groups had any ties to the recall efforts, Rusty Hicks, professional liar and union goon, said, well, I'll follow up with you with uh, some specifics. Uh, Yeah, and hasn't produced any. Unbelievable. I'd like to thank the L.A. Times for some really good, solid reporting on this. Well done. Uh, Let's see. It's Ben Christopher. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. That's at Cal Matters. I read about it at the L.A. Times, though. They're doing it uh, as well. But uh, Ben Christopher at Cal Matters doing some good reporting. Thank you. So we we failed to mention this. We kept mentioning it. Liz Cheney, one of the most important members of uh, the House and the Republican side, coming out yesterday. She's She's number three Republican. Number three Republican and voting for impeachment. And she gave a speech about it. Mitch McConnell is reportedly told confidants that he believes Trump crossed the line, conducted an impeachable offense. And I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't seen that in Axios. I wouldn't believe it, except for McConnell's office has de- not denied the reports. And McConnell fought pretty hard against impeachment last time around. Yeah, And he's not denying every news outlet yesterday saying that McConnell has told people that Trump uh, committed an impeachable offense. And they say he is furious with Trump and blames the president for the Republican losses. The Republicans lose in the Senate by losing Georgia, which I'm, I'm sure that's true. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely a depressed turnout of weeks long assaults on the governor and the secretary of state. I mean, it just it couldn't have helped. So now McConnell believing Trump committed an impeachable offense doesn't mean he thinks the best political move is to try to get impeachment done, though. Those are two different calculations. Indeed. Indeed. Real wisdom by one of the greatest Americans living, Thomas Sowell, coming up next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Finally, Ben and Jerry's announced yesterday that we'll launch a new line of frozen dog treats. Perfect if your dog just got broken up with. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a minute. Ah, kind of funny. Yeah. Um, So the uh, House is currently debating impeachment, and then they're going to have a vote. Everybody expects it to pass. The only real drama is how many Republicans vote yes, which might be an indication of how many Republican senators would vote yes, and is there are there enough Republican senators to remove the president? CNBC had a reporter today say saying they're talking to people in the Republican Senate who believe they have the 17 to boot him. CNBC? CNBC said. Huh. The business reporting is usually a little more sober than the, you know, NBC and MSNBC. 17's reporting. a lot, although I believe there would be like, um, you know, there's a tipping point. Yeah. If you're kind of on the fence and you have, though, all those guys are going to vote yes, well, then I'm a yes. That's the way yeah, it works. True enough. I was about to uh, offer you a bet that the Senate doesn't take it up at all. Really? That Mitch drags his feet till after the inauguration. Then the Democrats say, eh, we're going to wait 100 days like. Uh, uh, Representative Cleaver suggested. Well, the earliest they can get started is the 19th, which is the day before Biden becomes president. So. Right. Why right. Why is that? 
something to do with the way the Senate works. All 100 it's, senators. Uh, the Senate runs on tubes. Yes. Uh, and it, they have to warm up. Because when they wrote the rules out with bird feathers and dipping it in ink, they, yes. it took a long time for well, things to get from one place to another. They can change that, but it would take all 100 senators to agree. That's why it is the world's greatest deliberative body. You that can't hardly get anything though, right? done unless you get... Yeah, exactly. Well, but it's designed to be that way. Everybody yeah, sure. has cooled off by the time they get down to voting on something. It's actually a brilliant design, but it's a little frustrating at times. Although, again, I say it just won't be taken up, and, and as of inauguration date, it'll be behind us. But uh, I thought this was absolutely brilliant. Thomas Sowell, the uh, the thinker, the philosopher, read the first chapter of his book, A Conflict of Visions. You will understand politics a lot better. Um, uh, the rest of it will just give you headaches because it's too smart. Anyway, uh, he, he writes a column, and I'm going to jump around a little bit just so I'm not reading at you for the next 10 minutes. Uh, but it's absolutely worth reading in its entirety, and we'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com in just a few minutes. But he starts with, It is amazing how many people seem to have discovered last Wednesday that riots are wrong, when many of those same people apparently had not noticed that when riots went on for weeks or even months in various cities across the country last year. For too many people, especially in the media, what is right and wrong, true or false, depends on who it helps or hurts politically. Too many media people who are supposed to be reporters act as if they are combatants in political wars. And someone once said that in war, truth is the first casualty. That has certainly been so in the media and in much of academia as well. And then he spends a few paragraphs uh, deconstructing the idiotic, as he calls it, grotesque distortion that Abraham Lincoln's name should be taken from schools and statues and and parks because he saw black people as property. Such criticism betray an incredible ignorance of history or else a complete disregard of the truth. But again, I won't get into that because it's a great illustration, but it's a little long. Then he gets into many schools are closed because of the coronavirus and the teachers' unions. And many schools in minority neighborhoods failed to teach children enough math and English back when they were still open. So it is incredible that school authorities have time to spend on ideological crusades, like removing names and and statues from schools. Unfortunately, too many American educational institutions, from elementary to universities, have become indoctrination centers. And the riots that swept across the country last year, fruits of that indoctrination, and the utter disregard for other people's rights that accompanied those riots. And here's where he gets into the main point to me. At the heart of that indoctrination is a sense of grievance and victimhood when others have better outcomes. Probably worth mentioning Thomas is a black man. Um... These uh, better outcomes, which are automatically called privileges and never achievements, regardless of what the actual facts are. Facts don't matter in such issues any more than facts mattered when smearing Lincoln. Any underrepresentation of any group in any endeavor can be taken as evidence or proof of discriminatory bias. But those who argue this way cannot show us any society anywhere in the world at any time during thousands of years of recorded history that had all groups represented proportionally in all endeavors. Which is a great, like, more eloquent illustration of why I call California Cal Unicornia. It's where realism has gone to die. They imagine some sort of fantasy land where people ride unicorns across rainbows and everybody's proportionately represented in everything. It's never existed. Then I love this. In the National Hockey League, the American National Hockey League, there are more players from Canada than there are players from the United States. There are also more players from Sweden than from California, even though California's population is nearly four times the population of Sweden. 
Californians are more underrepresented in the NHL than women are in Silicon Valley. But no one can claim that this is due to discriminatory bias by the NHL. It is far more obviously due to people growing up in cold climates that are more likely to have ice skating experience. This is one of many factors that that produce skewed statistics in many endeavors. Discriminatory bias is among those factors, but it has no monopoly. Yet, who cares about facts anymore in this age of indoctrination? Thomas Sowell, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, Cal Unicornia. Hey, now. That's great. Oh, and then a a colleague of his uh, posted this chart. Love this chart. It's uh, Mark Perry, who I've, uh, I've quoted before. And, of course, the website resets to the top of the page and not where I was on it. Permit me to scroll, if I might. Uh, this is another one of his, his brilliant charts. He's the same guy who brought us that chart that showed that um, native-born black people under-earn compared to African immigrants by significant percentages. Um, and, uh, and then, oh, uh, come on, come on, Mark, where are you? And this one is about uh, Asian women compared to um, uh, white men in America, white male Americans. Earn on average $57,000 a year. Slovak uh, American women earn another $500. It's another $1,000 for Palestinian American women. Ukrainian Americans top those. Korean, Japanese, Armenian, Lithuanian. I'm counting up in income. Slovene, Russian American women, Lebanese American women, Chinese American women, Iranian American women, Turkish American women, Asian Indian American women, Taiwanese American women earn $21,000 more per year than white male Americans. So do these disparities prove discrimination? Or does the disparity prove discrimination hypothesis only apply selectively? The findings are consistent with the most recent wage and salary uh, data from the uh, Bureau of Job Statistics, showing that in the third quarter of this year, the median weekly earnings for Asian women working full-time was 9.1% higher than the meaning, median earnings of white males. My personal experience is nobody's more dedicated to academics and success than Asian women. No, no, it's, well, that may be true, but it's discrimination, Jack. It's, uh, it's, you see the disparity. Uh, disparity proves discrimination. Not hard work, not education. Discrimination. It's all a big lie. The idea that we're going to tear apart society and the economy based on this, even if it were true, it would be a bad idea, but it's a lie. End of rant. Yeah, I got more on that for later, but first, this is my favorite headline of the day. I haven't looked into the story at all. Drunk couple attempts epic dirty dancing move, snaps neck instead. Oh, that's uh, that's terrible. I wonder whose neck got snapped. Hers or I his? Know. I don't know. Is it? picture here is still from the video he's holding her upside down over his head but i'm thinking it's her neck but the way his head is bent underneath her body it could be his neck wow you want me to get into the story <laughs> I, haven't, don't, I haven't looked into it don't imitate dirty dancing drunk or sober he was riding dirty why not <laughs> why not um, did you watch, did you see the video that I tweeted out yesterday? The um, the people going berserko on a dude in an airport. No, no, I did not. Um, we should play that. Just give you a, a le- an idea of the level of anger that's out there. Um, that you could run into. You know, who is what, who is the dude? Do we know? 
Um, it was uh, uh, like quote, a quote rhino, I believe. But um, oh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get the de- I'll bring that to you because that's worth getting. I'm trying to get the details around the drunk couple. Okay, here you go. Um, yeah, I got a second. An intoxicated dance teacher redefined break dancing after landing horribly on her head while trying to recreate Baby and Johnny's iconic lift from Dirty Dancing with their boyfriend. Okay, they were they were and they were hammered at the time. Well, that's not a good story. No, it's not. Don't don't try to do something like that when you're super drunk, though. One more reason just to never dance. That's what I take from that story. So it's not, too dangerous. Not you don't you don't, you don't take from that. Don't drink so much. Don't dance so much. Don't dance. <laughs> if they'd just been drinking, they'd be fine. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Anyway, the video's making the rounds. Um, Oof. Oof. There's video? That's terrible. And the other video that's making the rounds, lots of videos are making the rounds. Like there are two videos making the rounds right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> like 100,000 a second posted to TikTok. <laughs> but uh, one of them is uh, people getting screamed at at an airport. You ought to hear this just because the level of anger is that's unlike anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. Uh, text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. So let me set up this clip by saying um, we have allowed this to happen. And, uh, you know, most of America thought it was perfectly okay that a group of angry people walked up to Mitch McConnell and his wife in a restaurant and got in their face and screamed at them. That a group of people walked up to Sarah Huckabee in a restaurant and screamed at her until she had to leave and then chased her down to the next restaurant and she had to leave there until she finally had to go home. Well, that numbskull Maxine Waters gave that speech, I'm sure we could dig up the tape, where she tells people to do that. You see anybody from this cabinet on the street, you surround them, you scream at them, you let them know they're not welcome. I hate to respond to arguments that aren't being made in my face, but I follow enough of this on Twitter that anytime anybody says what I'm just saying, you're accused of what aboutism? Or you're just saying what about this? I'm saying that if we allow this to happen, there's going to be a response on the other side. And the other side will go further, and then the other side will go further, and the next thing you know, you're storming the Capitol. Just don't allow this sort of behavior right. at all. Period. Call it out. How Always. stupid are you with your what is what aboutism argument? It's not an argument. I tweeted this out yesterday. This is uh, people. I think I don't know if they're all wearing Trump gear, but they're, uh, they're, they're, they're some of them are, and they're getting in this dude's face. It's a Democratic Congressperson at an airport, pretty empty airport, except they they recognize him and they're in his his face, pointing with their finger right in his face. So you would feel absolutely physically threatened, especially after what happened. Last Wednesday. It's about two minutes long. There's a lot of F-bombs and everything like that. We couldn't bleep all of it, but here's just a taste of it. Don't ask them, bro. Yeah, the police let Antifa in. They opened the door. Hey, your lie has been exposed. Your lie has been exposed. Your lie has been exposed. You're a liar. You're a people. No, it's not a democracy. This is a republic. This is a republic. This is a republic. No, this is a republic. We the people. Not you, the elitist. And uh, screaming about the voting machines and Hugo Chavez and you know the whole works. Right, um, right. 
Well, hey, how different was that from the BLM goons surrounding people trying to eat their dinners and nothing, screaming nothing, in their faces and, and demanding they raise their fists? Nothing it's different. the same. Nothing different. It's the same, and I want it to stop. <laughs> All of it to stop. The, the, everybody should have been arm in arm on the media, left and right, that that is not okay. You don't get to scream at people. Sitting outside at a restaurant eating and ah, make them secretly like and make them feel afraid. You don't get to say, "Well, you can understand why they're so angry." If you do that, this is what you're gonna get, and then it's just gonna keep getting worse. Yeah. So it's so maddening to me. It's so obvious to me. You can't allow it at any level from any side. A guy ought to be able to walk through the airport without fearing for his life. Well, if I was you... happy to see, by the way, I tweeted that out on our account, and almost everybody agreed, because I tweeted out, and I said, this is not okay, and almost everybody agreed this was not okay. Right, right. Well, you've talked about the uh, 80%, uh, 80, 90% of us uh, who are sane controlling the, pop- the conversation as opposed to the 5% on each end of the political spectrum. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so much whipping up of people with apocalyptic language that... You've convinced them what they're doing is justified, even if they have the same moral code as you. And a lot of your Antifa types don't. A lot of your loonies on the left don't. But if you convince somebody who is who thinks of themselves as a good moral person that you are preventing uh, death, disaster, and, and, and the falling of the republic, well, that's when you get good people to do bad things. And that's that's when it gets extra dangerous. We got this note from, um, I'll just call him Al Anonymous, but he, he tells the story of listening as a child with his dad, who we've talked to uh, a couple of times, and uh, now he's a military officer. So he says, now that I've made you feel old, here's the point of my email. <laughs> after, I was, uh, after watching what has transpired over the last few months, I've seen some eerie parallels between what's occurring in our streets today to, uh, to the lead-up to what was known as the Troubles in Northern Ireland. So you have a minority group or groups feels as though they're being treated unfairly by the perceived ruling class, staging large demonstrations throughout the country that sometimes end in riots, as the Catholic nationalists did. There's a faction who shares similar religious or, in our case, political values that have been known to utilize violence with aims in ultimately creating a, a, a Marxist state. We have that in the U.S. A group that feels strong ties to the British government or the government in general ultimately feels a stronger tie as a Brit than their fellow Irishmen. Uh, A police group have been accused of targeting the minority group, utilizing brutal attacks to crack down on demonstrations. The riots kept getting more and more violent between the four groups and their respective paramilitary wings to the point where the British Army was sent in to quell the violence. Sound familiar? Ultimately sparking the troubles. Over the next 30 years, some 3,600 people were 30 killed. 30 years. Yeah. 3,600 people killed, 33,000 people wounded. The population of Northern Ireland topped out during this period at 1.6 million people, averaging out to about 2.4% of the population being killed or wounded. To put that in perspective, if such an event were to occur in the U.S. with our current population, 7.9 million people would be killed or wounded. <sighs> So and and you want to talk about Rwanda? You want to talk about the former Yugoslavia, the Balkans, etc.? It's the same stuff in the same way. I don't want my kids to grow up in a country where I tell them when they're older, you know, it didn't used to be like this. It didn't used to be like this that if somebody found out you were a Democrat or you were a Republican, you know, a crowd would gather and start screaming at you. 
Right. It didn't used to be like that. Really? What changed? Well, it was little by little, and everybody you know, on one side thought that their side was okay to do it, and then the other side thought it was okay if their side did it. And it just grew and grew and grew as people realized you actually benefit from them. That's what Mark Stein was saying when he lived in Ireland. He said people realized these groups, hey, we're getting something for this. We're getting mm-hmm. attention. The other side's backing down a little bit. We're getting rewarded for our actions. So then the other side does it, of course. Right. Well, and if you do something that you might think is, you know, semi-horrendous, but then you have the Washington Post and New York Times silent, MSNBC makes excuses for you and encourages you to do it more, as does CNN and NBC and ABC. It's just going to grow and grow and grow. God, we've talked about a lot of stuff over the decades that we've been doing this show. You know, and, and a lot of it was important, but not like this. I mean, we're on the verge of a point of no return where there's just no putting it back together again. Not for a long time, like that 30 years in Ireland thing. Now, some of you don't want to hear this, and that's fine. You can tune out. And as I often say, go with God, go in peace, and and, and, and I wish you nothing but health and happiness. But I'm hoping the departure of Trump will remove, because everybody on the left was so fanatical about Trump from the beginning. I mean, some legitimate objections, but lots of just fanciful bull-ass Russian collusion, the most notable example. Um but I'm hoping when Trump leaves, the excuse the media has for chucking all of their principles, for throwing away everything the journalist is supposed to be, that excuse will be gone. And they'll, they'll find their conscience again. I'm hoping. Maybe the cooler heads will prevail and not be running away in terror from the New York Times newsroom because of the young woke crowd. I'm hoping they'll lose that rallying point of Trump and fall apart. Because if we don't have an honest media, we're doomed. Impeachment isn't going to help with that effort. No, I don't think it is. Not at all. (sighs) So how's the voting going? Has that started yet? Voting hasn't started. When it does start, we'll tell you all about it. Armstrong and Getty.